Nobody is giving the Green Bay Packers a chance, should they? And if they do have a chance, what does it look like for them to at least hang with the Buffalo Bills? What will it take? We're going to talk about that on our Friday live show, live on YouTube. It starts right now. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Simply Safe. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. All right, we are going to be talking about the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills. We're going to answer your questions in the chat coming up on YouTube in just a little bit. If you're not here hanging out with us on YouTube, we do it every Friday at 7 Central. We also do it after every game live on YouTube. Go subscribe on YouTube and you can come hang with us. So injuries on this one. A couple big questions for the Packers, and that is the status of Christian Watson, uh, the status of Ellen Jenkins and David Bakhtiari, which we may not know until Sunday afternoon. Uh, and those are big question marks. Alan Lazard is out. So you are not going to have, you know, ostensibly your number one wide receiver. I think that is a little overblown. Romeo Dobbs still leads this team in targets. Big Bob Tunyon leads this team in catches. Now, they're a little shorthanded because they have Sammy Watkins coming back just a week removed from being on IR. He did some things last weekend. I love that he was very candid about some of the mistakes that he felt like he made in that game and the reasons for them. I think they're explainable mistakes. And it was really interesting. He said of the of the fourth down uh, mistake that he made that he copped to that there was the assumption he was supposed to block, at least in the in the broadcast watching it live. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks like. The, the swing screen RPO that they like to run, but it wasn't an RPO and it was actually a route that he was supposed to release deep on. He just didn't release in quite the right way for Aaron Rodgers. And what's interesting about that is he said that if he had been on the team last year, he thinks Rodgers would have thrown it. It is a perfect example of why Aaron Rodgers wants you to see the game the way he does. It is not about always doing exactly what is designed in the play. Because James Jones came on this show a couple years ago, or I think it was just last year, um, and talked about, it was at the Super Bowl, in fact, he talked about um, a play against Denver, he loves to tell this story, where he was supposed to go in front of the DB, but there was just no way he was going to get in front of this DB, so he went behind the DB, or, or maybe it was reversed, I can't exactly remember, but he did the thing he wasn't supposed to do, Rodgers threw it to him for a touchdown, and he apologized, after the play to Aaron and Rogers said, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. Sometimes you have to break the rules to play with Aaron Rodgers. You have to, if you're running a corner post, if you're Romeo Dobbs and you see the corner is open, stay to the corner. That takes time. That takes reps. Romeo Dobbs is not there yet. 
in terms of understanding where Aaron Rodgers always wants him to be. He's he's there in terms of being an NFL route runner, being someone who can get vertical, being someone who can who can eat targets in your offense. Obviously, he's he's in on the those sort of smoke screen pre-snap RPO things that Aaron Rodgers likes to do and the Packers have done for years. So, that is something that if you're Christian Watson, you have to be on your P's and Q's about. But this team right now, it's Romeo Dobbs, Sammy Watkins, Amari Rodgers, Samori Toure. Those are the those are like the fully healthy guys. And then you have maybe Christian Watson. That's only five. That's that's ugh, that's a question. That's a problem potentially because one injury, now special teams becomes an issue. Shamar Jean Charles not playing in this game. So now you're you're down one of those sort of fast bodies that you need, whether it's on kick coverage or kick return or punt coverage. So you need to you need to have some flexibility there. Juwan Winfrey out of elevation status uh, upgrades from the practice squad cannot be moved up anymore without being signed to the 53, which actually is a rule that I like because it means those guys, if they've been up and down, up and down, up and down, and the team needs them, you have to sign them. I think that's a good thing, especially for those guys. The question is, if you're Green Bay, where are you going to take players off because you have these issues at offensive line and those kinds of questions. For Buffalo, the injuries are a little different because Spencer Brown is their right tackle and he's out. Dave Quisenberry is going to be in uh, a little bit of a journeyman, offensive lineman. He's just not a, a, a great player. That's diplomatic. And there's a reason he's been on a bunch of teams in, in his NFL career. And so um, Houston, Tennessee, Buffalo. And that is a matchup that the Packers can dominate. Can dominate. Our buddy Jacob Westendorf is in the chat. This is this is his son. This is his guy. He has been on this from the beginning. Rashawn Gary this season has been awesome. And if the if the if there is a path for the Packers, and I want to I want to get into that part of it here, it is up front with Rashawn Gary with Kenny Clark taking advantage of a Buffalo offensive line that is not great. They're not a group full of ass kickers. Now, of course, you flip this around. Buffalo's defense is awesome. Von Miller has been awesome. Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham. They've got some dudes that can get after the quarterback. Daquan Jones has been really good for them. And of course, as, as a blitzer, Matt Milano can be effective. They don't blitz a ton. Um, they, they play a pretty, a pretty straightforward um, defense. But they are so disciplined in it. But if you're, if you're putting together the roadmap to victory... The roadmap is you pressure the quarterback, you make life difficult and uncomfortable for Josh Allen, and you force him into mistakes. I tweeted this this stat out just before we got on air. Since the beginning of 2021, Josh Allen has five multi-interception games, including one this season in week one against the defense that is very similar in its structure to what the Packers play. Aaron Rodgers has five multi-interception games You have to go back to the start of the 2015 season to get to five. He hasn't had even just one since week one of 2021. Since the beginning of last year, Aaron Rodgers has not had a multi-interception game. So the path for the Packers offensively is very similar to what they did against the Cardinals last year. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball again. Try and take the air out of the ball a little bit. And then you have to be able to hit play action shot plays. A couple of them, two, maybe three. And then on defense, you you muck this game up. 
you get after Josh Allen and you you get you he can not not that he can be rattled. I think that's being uncharitable to Josh Allen because he's an incredible football player. But what you can do is make life a little more difficult for him because he will try and fit balls into tight windows. He will try and <laughs> be cool. Be cool. He will try and fit throws into coverage and he can do it. He'll throw these deep sail routes where he's got to fit it perfectly between the corner and the safety. If you can read and react to those and get over, you can make those plays. And that's something we saw against the Rams. They have these, these games where they just have sort of like brain fart games. And they did it last year. Five of seven, they lost. It's not like this Bills team, they were unbelievable to start last year. And then in the middle of the year, they started doing weird stuff and they didn't look like themselves. And I don't know if it was just a mid-season malaise or, or what happened. But last year, in the middle of last year, they did not look like the team that the, to start the season was just kicking ass and taking names. That wasn't who they were. So you get a turnover or two because of what Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark can do up front. You heard Joe Marino on the show yesterday talking about what a good matchup this Packers team is. And I wouldn't be surprised. Keep an eye on this. At the end of last Sunday's game, Russell Douglas was the guy on the boundary in base. Not Eric Stokes. It was Rasul and Jair Alexander. And given the way all three of those guys have played this year, I think that's the right way to line up until further notice. Because Rasul was in the slot, I think that they let Eric Stokes play the boundary and just stay there. But I think now it makes sense if you're going to play Jair Alexander more in the slot and the Bills use Stephon Diggs in the slot a lot, a lot of switch releases, Packers are going to have to be on their details this week defensively. But if you want to try and take this team down, it's no big plays. You got to put a roof on it. So maybe the Packers do have to ease off a little bit on the aggressiveness in terms of man coverage, in terms of single high safety. They've been playing a lot more. Cover one, cover three, mixing in some cover zero, some zero pressures. They're going to have to be careful blitzing Josh Allen because if you don't get home, then you are you are really putting his life in your hands. No, your life in his hands because he will throw it down the field against the Blitz if he needs to. And so I think we're going to see Quay Walker as a spy a lot in this game. Rush four, play, play nickel-nickel with Quay as a spy. Essentially, it's going to essentially be a five-man front, but with Quay as the extra body. And then you, you're playing almost dime behind it because you've got Devondre, uh, Devondre Campbell and then your nickel corners. So uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting matchup for the Packers, a, a team that does not want to run the ball, that is not good at running the ball against the Packers defense that is daring you to run the ball. And if, and if the Bills do, God bless, because it means they're probably not biting off 60 yards a chunk for the Packers, they need that. They need that. And, and another stat I tweeted out earlier, the Packers are seventh in EPA per play defensively through three quarters. They are bottom five in EPA in the fourth quarter in overtime. And a lot of that has to do with complementary football. If the Packers can, can sustain some drives, get Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon going a little bit, even if it's just six play, seven play, eight play drives, where you're holding the ball for four or five game minutes, which means, you know, like 10 minutes of real time with commercials and all the silliness that we have to deal with on a Sunday night football game, 
they can keep this defense fresh in the fourth quarter. And hopefully the game is not out of hand. Hopefully this stays in, in a very much nip and tuck sort of way. But it is, it is also interesting that the Packers are set up to stop the passing game. The Bills, even in the fourth quarter of these games, they're still chucking it because their run game is just not like not great. And they'll use the swing screens and the checkdowns and the screen game as an extension of their run game because they know they're not a good run team. Well, that plays into the Packers' hands in terms of being able to getting completions to stop the clock. That helps them get their breath. That helps them potentially force three and outs. This is one of the best teams in the league forcing three and outs. So if they're going to keep throwing the ball because they have to or because they want to, that might actually play into Green Bay's hand a little bit. Now, does that mean that that's, that's you know, it, this, this game could be 38-10 in the fourth quarter. And it just doesn't matter if they're throwing or running. I mean, I, I, think, I think that is very much on the table. But nobody right now is giving Green Bay a chance. Nobody. And so that makes this a kitchen sink game for Green Bay. You throw everything. Trick plays. You know, the reverse on the kickoff, stuff like that. You actually have to return a kickoff for that to be a thing. Maybe they bust out a punt special. Flea flickers. I mean, this is the game to pull that stuff out. To give yourself a chance. If you're going to lose playing traditional football, why not try something and lose in a non-traditional kind of way? Especially, you know, let's say you go down 14-3. It can't just be Shotgun Rodgers doing the thing. It's just, this team is not built for that right now. So they have to figure out and play with that urgency right from the beginning to give themselves a chance. They have to, they have to play... I said this on the Cover One podcast the other day. I said, this has to be Northwestern against Ohio State. Fake punts. All the unscouted looks that you have. Empty the chamber. Because there's no saving it for the playoffs. This team might not be in the playoffs. The Minnesota Vikings are favored against the Cardinals this weekend. At home against a lousy Arizona team. The Packers have to go on the road to play the Buffalo Bills. If, if the Packers lose... 11-point underdogs. If the Packers lose and the Vikings win, you're talking about a four-game lead with 10 games to go. That is insurmountable. Then you're fighting and scratching and clawing for the playoffs. And that's fine because you could go to Minnesota and feel like you can win a game. You could go to Dallas and feel like you could win a game. You could go to LA or Seattle or, or San Francisco and feel like you can win a game. None of those teams are, are unbeatable. Philly is going to be the one seed. And, and they're going to have the buy. So it doesn't matter. It's a matter of just trying to get into the playoffs at that point. But you, this is a game where at the very least, it has to be, this has to be the start of something, not the end of something. Because it could vary. You lose 38 to 10 in this game. Call the doctor. Forget the doctor. Call the corner. Because the season is, is done. Or at least all but done. I said last week, season is on life support. Like we, we, the, the, the problem here is the Packers expected going into the year for this to be the game that they would lose or one of them. This was one of the two games coming into the season that they were betting underdogs. This was an expected loss. So you can't lose in London to New York. You can't lose at home to the Jets in a game that's tied at halftime. You can't lose to the Commanders in a game you had a 14-3 lead. 
because you needed those wins to insulate you against this loss. You're staring down the barrel of three and five. If that doesn't get this team to play with its hair on fire, nothing will. All right, more to get to here on our live show on Friday. Today's episode brought to you by Simply Safe. This is something that's really important to me in my life and always has been. The first thing we did when we bought our house last summer was get a security system. I had it ready to go. I called, I said, I need you there day one because my family's safety is not something that I play around with. And it doesn't matter where you live. This stuff can happen anywhere. You want that peace of mind. And the best part is at Simply Safe, they can set up the perfect system for you. It's not a one size fits all approach. So you can do as much or as little as you want. High tech sensors, cameras, HD live. That's that's a great thing. The live cameras are awesome. So you can just, oh, I need to check in. Let me just check in. Sure. Live cameras, it's there for you. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL to learn more. There is no safe like Simply Safe. Uh, okay. We have to talk about it. And I didn't. I didn't really want to because I felt like getting back into it would breathe more life into it. But I'm going to bring up what happened on Twitter this week with John Kuhn because it is emblematic of something that is much bigger than just the conversation that John and I had. And it is emblematic of a really big problem in sports and sports media right now. And so it's a big enough story that I wanted to offer my input, offer my perspective, and then I'm done. We're on to Buffalo. So for those of you who have been living under a rock over the last 48 hours, this started after Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee and said, guys need to have their reps cut, and also said, you know, I had my highest graded game. And you can think whatever you want about that. And so John Kuhn, Kuhn, wait, Kuhn, okay. He said that he agreed. He thought that right after the game, that he agreed. This is just his own tweets now. And so I said to him, that's kind of not the point. Whether he's right or not about it being its highest graded game, that's not the point. And so he just looks bad making it seem like he's the guy in the class who did it uh, on a group project. He did his job, but the, the, the project got a C. Like, you just kind of look, mm. it's just not a good look, okay? And John said, just say you don't like him. Just say you don't like him. You're one of the biggest aggressors, the lar largest aggressors, largest aggressors with Aaron Rodgers. So here we get back to this idea that no criticism of Rodgers can be, literally can just, cannot be without you hating the guy. You cannot be critical of Rodgers. The fans that are at a certain level, and I know Kuhn is not a fan, he's a friend, and so it's different. But you cannot bring up criticism of Aaron Rodgers without someone just saying you hate him. 
You hate him. And it's not just me. I see it with other people. I am certainly one of his biggest critics or have been this season and have been going back to last season. I was also, by the way, one of his largest supporters in his MVP chase last year, including saying, I think the COVID thing is, is not, you know, you know, I'm not hub arkish and I'm not like a non-starter on an MVP candidacy. But so I was, I was content to leave it there. I was content to leave it there. I said to him, okay, John. And he, oh, he said that the guys in the locker room, this is, this is more important. The guys in the locker room don't care. I said, John, I know for a fact that's not true. I know for a fact that's not true. Okay. He didn't respond. The next day, I'm done. I'm, I'm compl I've completed my journey with John Kuhn on this. The next day, he quote tweets my, my tweet talking about Matt LaFleur and accountability. And he says, show me your sources. Show me your sources. I have, to, I have to tell you how I know what I said? No, that's not how journalism works, which is what I said. That's not how journalism works. But, okay. And so then things got personal. He comes at me. He says, I'm not a journalist, that I have no sources, essentially, essentially accuses me of lying. Not essentially, accuses me of lying, of making things up to stir drama. And then at the end calls me a drama queen using an emoji. I want to, I want to get to the, that, that part of it in a second. Okay. To. Come at me like that to be as loudly upfront about this as he is lets me know exactly what I already knew that I'm right, that I'm right. Because if there was nothing true about what I was saying, and I, by the way, I said this to his face, well, not well, to his Twitter face. That the only reason he's so loudly mad at me is because I'm right. He knows I'm right. And in fact, he admitted I was right by saying, okay, only the strong survive. Well, then you're saying I'm right. But to come after me personally, to attack me personally, is just so inappropriate and out of bounds. And to attack my journalistic bona fides is so silly. Like, it, it just, it is the kind of thing you do when you have no other answer. And we know that there is no other answer because there are people in that locker room who do not like the way accountability is handled in that locker room. That is true. And guess what? I had a player in my DMs that night. I heard from media people today. Hey, I know a couple guys in that locker room. I've heard the same thing you have about accountability. They don't think it's a two-way street with Aaron Rodgers. This is, this is not something that I'm just making up. But what you, you say, that's a lie. Share your sources because you want to silence me. You want to bully 
me. That's why it's a personal attack. That's why it's a personal attack. That's why he came after me. But don't, don't talk about me. Don't talk about me like that. You don't know me. You don't know my credentials. You don't know my bona fides. You see that, that Wisconsin right there? Wisconsin State Newspaper Association Award, Enterprise Journalism. I've had my work recognized in, on three different platforms, newspaper, TV, and by the Pro Football Writers Association. Don't come after me like I'm a fake journalist. Just because you have a microphone doesn't make you a journalist. You got your job because you're an athlete. Because you played for the Packers. Come after me and my, and my integrity. How dare you question my integrity? You don't know me. You don't, you don't, you don't follow me on Twitter even. So what are, you, what are you mad at me for? Because I'm saying something true about your friend. It is so, so inappropriate. As a member of the Packers organization to come at a media member and say, share your sources, demanding that I share my sources. And then when I didn't, to say I'm not a real journalist, because a real journalist, by the way, does not share his sources. That's not how journalism works, John. That's not how any of this works. But guess who benefits from me being slandered in a public forum, telling people on Packers Twitter to unfollow me? Guess who benefits? What's the line from The Departed, Alec Baldwin, qui bono? Aaron Rodgers benefits. Aaron Rodgers benefits from me being slandered, from me being silenced. Because you get up on a bully pulpit and say, don't listen to this guy. It's like Hannibal Burst. Why are you booing me? I'm right. I'm right. And I know I'm right. And, and you know what? You know who else knows I'm right? John Kuhn. And he, sa- he essentially admitted it. Because he said only the strong survive. Okay, well then you know people in that locker room are not chill with what's going on. You think they should be, but that's a different thing. That's a different thing. So again, this is something that is really wrong with the way that we deal with sports media people. And, and this, that's a much bigger discussion and I totally get it. And, and there's a lot of different pieces that are a part of all of this. But for a member of the team's organization, He's not a member of the team, but he is an employee of the team to come at me like that. It's it's unethical, frankly. But it's also just gross. It's it's sad that that is the level that you have to stoop to to try and brush off the reputation. And then this is the last thing I'm going to say, because someone put the emoji in the chat. And. There is no place on my Twitter feed or on Twitter or anywhere. It's I'm just not going to I'm just not going to allow it in my life 
for the sexism and the homophobia. And I think reasonable people can disagree that John meant to be sexist or homophobic calling me a drama queen. I think reasonable people can disagree on that. I, I think I know what his intent was, not the point, because go and click on that tweet. Go click on the tweet where I said what I thought of that usage. Scroll down. You will see hundreds, hundreds of replies that are sexist, that are homophobic. So whether or not he intended to be those things, he incited a Twitter mob of people who are those things and who repeated those things. And he empowered those people to act that way. All to bully and silence a journalist trying to do his job. Just, just think about that for a second. Just take, you don't have to like me. Just understand and think about that. Think about that. Even if he didn't intend it, the intention doesn't matter because look at what the result is. He should have known better. And that real, that's the part that really pissed me off. Because that is just, that is so beyond. I'm sorry that we had to spend eight minutes of your life listening to this. I'm sorry we had to deal with it. But we did. I needed to address it. And we're going to move on. I'm not, I'm not going to address it again. So here we are. This was the time. Congratulations, John Kuhn. You got me pissed off for eight minutes. And now we're done. Now we're going to go talk about Buffalo. We're going to take your questions in the chat here in just a second. But before we do, today's episode... A word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I, I could use some time with BetterHelp after, after getting that worked up, that's for sure. BetterHelp is something that everyone could use. And it is could be as simple as something that, that you need help with problem solving. That you get stuck in these spirals of, oh, this is, I can't deal with this problem. I'm just, I'm so all over the place. There are so many reasons to try therapy. And you may have low expectations, you may have bad expectations, but a therapist can help you with so much. They can help you achieve your goals. They can help you find ways to stay focused, to be uh, more uh, present. It could be as simple as that, or it could be help with a relationship, help moving through trauma. There's all sorts of reasons that therapy can help. When you want to be a better problem solver, when you want to be the best version of yourself, visit betterhelp.com slash Locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on. Thank you for making Locked On Sports. Mm. Thank you for making Locked On Packers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. All right, if you have a question, throw it in the chat and uh, we can we can figure some of this stuff out. Um, do you think the Packers will be active before the trade line, depending on what happens Sunday night, whether it's buying or selling that from Dusk Wolf? So I got a, a similar set of questions um, on Twitter a number of times this week. And, and it was really interesting to me when this report came out that they were looking for a guy in his rookie deal. Interesting. I think they know right now that they're, they're sort of teetering on the brink. 
and that they their season might be something close to over if they lose to the Bills. And so they also know not a lot on this roster past this year at receiver. Sammy Watkins, nope. Randall Cobb, almost certainly gone. And Alan Lazard up for a contract. So um, the, the team understands it has an opportunity then to get a guy like Chase Claypool. That's why I think Claypool is the guy that they have in their sights. Brandon Cooks is another name. He's under contract for a couple more years. That it's not just this year. It's next year. It's potentially the year after that. And so I think that's a really smart way to build this team. I think that's a really smart way to approach this because what it allows you to do is say, okay, now you have a better chance this year of getting to where you want to get to, but then you're already set up going into next offseason where Romeo Dobbs can be in year two and Christian Watson can be in year two and they can really grow into their role. You can see what you have with Amari Rodgers. I'm kind of excited about seeing a little bit more Amari Rodgers as a receiver. He showed some nice things against Washington the last two weeks and he's had to play a little bit more. He's made some plays. I know he didn't come down with that second reaction play, but had a good chance to get down the field and, and gets open. Rodgers puts it a little too far out. He's got to dive for it. He's got to lay out. I don't, that's not a drop to me. Some people charted that as a drop. The Tunyon one that's behind him charted that as a drop. It's not, those aren't drops. If it would be, it's like in baseball. It's only an error if it's a routine play. If it had to, if it would have had to be a great play, it's not an error. So if it would have had to be a great play, it's not a drop. Now, look, NFL receivers are going to tell you, I should have, I should have had it. Tunyon will tell you he should have caught that. Um, you, you have Amari Rodgers. He probably would have told you he would have caught that. I think Jerry Judy is another name, as, as Duskwolf points out, that could be on that list. I think he's going to, they're going to want, Denver's going to want more. But we, I think we could see Sunday, Monday, there's a flurry of deals. Monday, especially Halloween, spooky season. Halloween could be, could be the day for Green Bay. I, I kind of do think they're going to make a move. I know this is weird. Um, and I do, but I do think they're going to make a move. All right. Sam Holman, shout out Sam. Does a great job on Twitter. Go follow Sam on Twitter. Um, I believe you posted some snacks from snacks. <laughs> My son always wants snacks. About Rodgers not throwing to the middle of the field earlier today. Do you think, do you, ooh, they just aren't calling that stuff or is Rodgers refusing to throw to the middle of the field? Sam, the answer is yes. The, <laughs> the answer is yes. It's both. They're not calling it because Rodgers doesn't want to do it. And that, and this has been a thing for a long time. Um, the outside the numbers disparity to the middle of the field became wildly apparent in 2018. Um, and that was the beginning, not the beginning, that was the end of the end for Mike McCarthy. And we thought it was going to change 2019. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the field, play action 2020, they're killing teams, just killing teams. And then Rodgers was sort of like, we're not, we're not doing it anymore. I don't know. Matt LaFleur, look, it's it's both because if Matt LaFleur wants to do it, and I do think Matt LaFleur wants to do it, this offense, the bones of this offense, the, the roots of this offense are attack the middle of the field, play action, all that stuff. But that's not Aaron Rodgers. And so there is this push-pull. I mean, four plays with motion, five plays of play action on Sunday. That's not enough for this team. You need the advantages that those things create for you, and the Packers are not using them all to their advantage right now. So... Look, um, I, I can't I can't give you a blame pie on this, Sam. 
Um, but it's, it's got to be both because if you're Matt LaFleur, you have to instill to your quarterback. You have to be calling plays. How about just run it runs? How about some more true play action where it's not can into the play action? Like, no, a true run it run, true play action where that's the play call. I think they're, I think they're letting great be the enemy of the good right now. Dusty Evely said that on a specific play, but I think it's true in general. I think this idea that they need to try and get into the perfect play every down right now, they can't do that. They just, some of this stuff, you just need to go out and execute, simplify things, call the play in the huddle and go run it. And I think that that would, that would benefit everybody, but they, they can and should attack the middle of the field more. I think they will. So we'll see what happens. Um, sorry that I had to get loud there in the middle. Again, we're not talking, we're, we're on to Buffalo. This is not going to be a thing anymore. Um, and so we're going to move on. So thanks to everyone who's been who's been supportive of me, who continues to make Locked On Packers the number one podcast, um, Packers podcast on the internet. Um, everyone who's who's sent, you know sent messages or or sent tweets or whatever. Um, Twitter is not a real place. I get that, but um, I formed a lot of cool relationships with a lot of people, um, including people like Jacob, who's who's on the the uh, I'd never call him Jacob, um, Westendorf, um, who's on the stream hanging with us. Um, and so I don't, I don't want to get off Twitter. I want to be on Twitter. I want to interact. I want to, I want to be a part of the conversation with fans and with everybody. So, um, thanks to, thanks to those of you who are awesome on Twitter, um, and have, and have had those positive interactions with me. I appreciate it very much. All right. Live on Sunday night after the game, hopefully not, you know, six or eight whiskey sours deep because of the way the game is going, but we'll see. No promises on that one. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out live, you can do that Locked on Packers YouTube page to stay Locked on Packers.